God is our maker, our preserver, and the giver of all our mercies. On him we ever have been and must be dependent for all good, and to him we should be habitually devoted. This is a quote coming to you from the Family Bible Notes. Now, in this broadcast, we are continuing our new series entitled, A Glimpse into Hebrews. Now, in the year 2024, and this year, we will be looking into several books of the Bible while highlighting certain passages characteristic of that particular book and especially relevant to our times. In this teaching, we will continue on in our study of Hebrews. Our main text for today will be found in Hebrews 1, verses 2 to 3, which says, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Now, uh, before going into this teaching, I would like to bring up this thought that in every book of the Bible, uh, you will find some particular description of the Lord Jesus, which distinguishes that book from the other books. Well, in the book of Revelation, we find a particular description of the Lord Jesus, which uh, identifies and distinguishes the book of Revelation from all the other books of the Bible. And that description is found in Revelation 1, 13 through 16. And this is what it says, that we find Jesus in the midst of the seven candlesticks. He's like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet were like unto fine brass, his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Now that's a description that is uh, distinguishes uh, the book of Revelation from all the others. It's unique to the book of Revelation. But we want to look at Hebrews. And in Hebrews chapter 1, we find another description of the Lord Jesus that is distinctive of the book of Hebrews. And that description is found in Hebrews 1, 2 to 3. This is what it says. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. 
Now this description in Hebrews chapter 1 depicts the glory of Jesus' office. And it can be seen in three respects. First of all, God has appointed the Lord Jesus to be heir of all things. He has constituted him to be the sovereign Lord of all, the absolute disposer, director, and governor of all persons and all things. And then we also see uh, this description depicting the glory of his office. We see it in the fact that by Jesus, God made the worlds, both visible and invisible, the heavens and the earth. And then thirdly, we see uh, in this description depicting the glory of his office, we see it in the fact that he upholds all things by the word of his power. He keeps the world from dissolving. It's by him that all things consist. The weight of the whole universe, the whole creation is laid on his shoulders. He supports the whole and all its parts. So this is what we're going to look at in this teaching today. This description depicting the glory of his office. First of all, in Hebrews 1-2, it says, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. Now those words, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, that's a language that denotes his rank and dignity as the Son of God. It's a language taken from the fact that he is the Son of God. If he is a son, then he is an heir. Because he is the Son of God, he is constituted the heir of all things. Now, when we see that word heir, we uh, have the understanding that it's anyone who inherits anything after the death of a, a possessor. And that's usually a father, the father figure. Well, this certainly doesn't apply to Jesus because it's impossible for God to die. But it does apply to Jesus when the word heir signifies properly one who has the right to succeed to what another has in possession. And so this is how it's applied to Christ as the Son of God. He is the possessor of or Lord of all things. All things are his. Everything belongs to him. Now, uh, and in context of this verse, we're seeing that the Father delivered all things into the hands of the Son. He subjected all things to him. He made him the heir of all he possesses. The Father made Jesus the heir of all he possesses. That's the universe. And he also constituted him as sovereign Lord and ruler of all things. So when you see that, those words, heir of all things, what's included there is the fact that Jesus has uh is the possessor of all that the Father has. And secondly, the Father constituted him to be Lord of all. 
Those two concepts are in the, those words, heir of all things. So Christ is Lord of all. His lordship is universal. His possessions are unlimited. His wealth is infinite. And we ask the question, who is so rich then as Christ, who is able to endow you with enduring and abundant wealth? He is the heir of all things. And those words, all things, those two words, all things, this is a theological equivalent of the universe. It refers to the whole creation. And uh, A.W. Tozer in his essential works, he described it this way, that that phrase, heir of all things, includes angels, seraphim, cherubim, the ransomed men and women of all ages, matter, mind, law, spirit, value, meaning. So it's including all things. It also includes the life and events on the varied levels of being. It includes all that God is, all that God has, and all that God can or will do. It also includes all dominion of God, heaven, earth, and hell. These are all uh, belonging to Jesus. He is the Lord of angels. He is the Lord of devils. Uh, what does that mean? It's in this respect that he overrules them. He, they cannot go or come, but as he permits them. He is the Lord of saints. He is the Lord of all creatures, including wicked men, his enemies. And he is the Lord over all God's works. And we see this brought out in the various scriptures this idea of being heir of all things. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. In John 16, 15, he said, All things that the Father hath are mine. In John 17, 10, he was speaking to the Father, and he said, And all mine are thine, and thine are mine. So we see we're getting that idea. He's the possessor of what the Father has. Then also the Father constituted him to be Lord of all. Acts 2.36 Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And then Acts 10.36 Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Joseph Sutcliffe's commentary uh, explains it in this way. He is the heir of all things in heaven and earth, the Lord, the head, the prince of life and glory. Okay, so we see in this passage, uh, in this verse of scripture, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. This is the description of the glory, or the description that depicts the glory of his office. We have looked at the fact that God has appointed the Lord Jesus to be heir of all things and to be the sovereign Lord of all. Then the verse goes on to say, 
by whom also he made the worlds. And this is the second uh, this, uh, depiction coming out of that description uh, depicting the glory of his office, that by Jesus God made the worlds. It says in the verse, by whom also he made the worlds. Now, the writer of Hebrews, who I believe is Paul, he is setting forth the dignity of the Son of God here. By whom? By whom? And it's showing that his heirship follows his sonship and precedes his making the worlds. So first of all, he is brought out, brought forth as the Son of God. What follows is his heirship. And then out of that comes the fact that he made the worlds. He is son as the heir is now become the intermediate agent in the work of creation. It's by Jesus's agency that uh, the worlds were made. He made the worlds. He created them. He framed them. He gave being where there was none. And he is causing to subsist. They continue in existence because of him. By whom also he made the worlds. Now that word worlds there has two ideas behind it. First of all, it denotes age or duration. The present and future age. All periods and dispensations. And it also then uh, includes or denotes the present world with all its cares, anxieties, and evils. It includes the men of this world and the natural universe. So two ideas. The first one, it's denoting age, periods, dispensations. Secondly, it's denoting the present world uh, as we see it today. This is brought out in the scriptures that... Uh, through Jesus, the worlds were made. Hebrews 1.10 says, And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. John 1.3, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Ephesians 3.9, Which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. And lastly, Colossians 1, 16 through 17 says it all. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So we see in Hebrews 1, this description depicting the glory of his office. We saw it in the fact that God appointed him to be heir of all things and the sovereign Lord of all. We saw it in the fact that by Jesus, God made the worlds. And now we, lastly, we see it in the fact that Christ Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. He keeps the world from dissolving. It's by him all things consist. The weight of the whole creation is laid on his shoulders. 
He's supporting the whole uh, uh, world and all its parts. In Hebrews 1.3, we see these words, and upholding all things by the word of his power. And this is an astonishing description of the infinitely energetic and all-pervading power of God in these words. And upholding all things by the word of his power. What's that saying there is that he's bearing, he bears up all things. He sustains all things. He's supporting them. And it's in this statement that it's assured that he is very God. We're seeing his deity here. He is the stay and the strength of the world. Without his hands holding up the world, all things would fall into confusion. Upholding all things. And then Paul went on to write, by the word of his power. This uh, phrase here, by the word of his power, is a Hebraism. And it means by his efficient command. He spake, all things were then created, and he speaks, and all things are sustained. It's by the word of his power, by the greatness of his power, with his mighty word, by his powerful word. The power of God is evinced here in the preservation of his creatures. His power is everywhere. It's exhibited in his upholding all things. This is brought out in the scriptures in Psalm 75, 3. It says, The earth and all the inhabitants thereof are dissolved. I bear up the pillars of it. John 1, 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Colossians 1, 17. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And then talking about the word of his power, Ecclesiastes 8, 4 says, Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, What doest thou? Okay, and uh, we find in Barnes Notes a perfect explanation of this, a perfect response to what we're studying here. This is what it says. There could not be a more distinct ascription of divinity to the Son of God than this. He upholds or sustains all things, that is, the universe. It is not merely the earth, not only its rocks, mountains, seas, animals, and men, but it is the universe, all distinct worlds. How can he do this who is not God? He does it by his word, his command. What a conception that a simple command should do all this. There can be no higher idea of omnipotence than to say that he upholds all things by his word. And assuredly, he who can hold up this vast universe so that it does not sink into anarchy or into nothing must be God. The same power Jesus claimed for himself.
So we see in Hebrews 1, 2-3, this description, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Oh, who could hold back worship from such a one as the Lord Jesus Christ? He deserves all our worship and our praise. And we see here, we take away this from this message today. How does it apply to us? Well, when we see this picture of Jesus as heir of all things, he is able to meet your every need that you will ever face in this life. He possesses all. So as heir of all things, he is able to meet every need that you will ever face in this life. And also as heir of all things, where the Father constituted him to be Lord of all. He deserves your loyalty, your devotion, and your faithfulness. Then as creator, he is able to make a way where there seems to be no way. And as the upholder of all things, he is able to keep that which you have committed to him. He's able to hold you up and bear you up when you don't feel like you can stand. Oh, who can hold back worship from such a glorious being like the Lord Jesus Christ? Let us worship him. Give him the worship. Do his name. Our time is up for today's broadcast, but I encourage you, stay tuned for our next teaching as we continue our study of the theme a glimpse into Hebrews. This is Connie Giordano with Walking in Truth Ministry, praying that you will walk in the truth every day of your life. In Jesus' name, amen. <music>